Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome again to another edition, another episode of Chatting with Dr. Leonard Richardson. It's a Saturday afternoon at noontime, and it's time for our show. So today we'll go back into the touring of Main Street, the stores and the proprietors. We're on part five, and they've been intermingling here and there. In the past, but that's okay because we want to make sure we get we get what we can about our history. So let's go ahead and say hello to Dr. Richardson. Good morning, Dr. Richardson. Good day, Mr. Etienne, and the listening audience. Depend upon what time it is, wherever they are, and sure. particularly as those persons who will be as of tonight or uh, midnight who will be turning their clocks yes. will have a difference of time. So I use the general term of good day. Uh, because whether it's a.m. anti-meridian or p.m. post-meridian, it's still a good day. And it's sunshine and bright here, not raining. So good, there you go. good day to the listening audience. Good day to you, Mr. Gibbs. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Good day to you, too. All right. I'm glad you mentioned the time change because it will change in the United States, but here in the Virgin Islands, our time remains the same. So when they that uh, is move true. the town that is forward, true for Puerto Rico. that is true for Puerto Rico, the Virgin Islands, American Samoa, and Guam. Fantastic. So when the rest of the United States move their clock forward one hour, it will be three hours. Well, Eastern time will be three hours behind us rather than the four it is. Well, wait a minute. Let me get that correct. <laughs> Pacific will be three hours instead of four. Eastern will be one hour We'll be on the same time as we are. Oh, he gets confused. That is correct because, well, that is correct because we spring forward and we fall yeah. back. So since we're fall going back. into spring, we'll be, since we're going into spring, we'll be springing forward. Not we, they will. Yes, exactly. They will. Our time remains the same. Stand still. Right. Okay. We're constant. Yes. Right. Now let me make a quick announcement for our featured contributor. Ms. Valerie Sims, who's here every Saturday with us and loves chiming in with us, sharing what she has to offer. Now, she's not going to be with us today because the lady is on the go. She's a celebrity in her own right. She has been invited to an event taking place on St. John. I believe it is on Tuesday, the 14th. Let me tell you a little bit about it. She will not be with us, though not in, in body, in spirit, I'm sure. But in spirit, exactly, exactly. The St. John Historical Society is having its 42nd season, and they're bringing the history of St. John and the Virgin Islands to life in their community. Now, each year, from November to April, they would like their audience to expect stimulating and entertaining monthly meetings chosen by their board of directors 
and presented by historians, craft people, artisans, musicians, and educators who will bring to life the rich history of St. John and the Virgin Isles in general. Generally, these programs are taking place on the second Tuesday of the month on a hill at uh, Bethany Moravian Church Hall on St. John. In addition, they try to have an activity or field trip on Saturday following the monthly meeting in a number of those months. Okay, well, what's coming up on the 14th? Well, here's what's happening. On March 14th, they're having a special event called Are We, or should it be All Are We, colon, St. John Families. What does that mean? It means from 5.30 until 8 p.m., 5.30 p.m. until 8 p.m., at the Western Western St. John Resort and Villas Grand Ballroom, they're having a one-night display featuring St. John histories and genealogies and the histories of their churches, schools, and organizations. Now, it's a fundraiser for the St. John Historical Society. What can you expect to find there? Well, there will be silent auctions. There will be raffles, light doors, cash bar, and, of course, dress will be island fancy. Now, there's a suggested donation of $25 at the door. Students will be $10. Now, if you have questions or concerns, want more information, give them a call at 340-344-4303 or email them at contact us at stjohnhistoricalsociety.com. Very good. Dr. Richardson, have you participated with them? Have you been in, in, in invited guests? I'm a, member of the, I'm a member of the Historical Society of St. Thomas, not oh, of St. John. Okay, okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. So today, let's go ahead and pick up where we left off on May. I think we were just about passing and I, this I don't. I don't know. Well, maybe that's their way of expressing it, but that expression is really an expression that comes from the Eastern Caribbean, not necessarily from us here, because when the Eastern Carabiners speak, particularly Antiguans and Cretaceans, they would use the preposition for, F-O-R, that for are we people, that for are we people, as opposed to yeah. our saying that's our people. But anyway, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, well, I was just saying, well, let's pick up where we left off. I believe we were just shifting forward and as I thought, I mean easterly on the northern side of Main Street where Miss Cricky had her store, Miss Navita Cricky. And pick it up from there, please, Doc. Thank you, sir. Good morning once again and good day. And I know it's not quite evening yet, but nevertheless, picking up from the quarter of what is known as Stortivagara on the moving on the left-hand side of the street, heading east from what was once, the, at one time, the hibiscus shop, and just one backward glance to what used to be the bambula. We're now going forward, and the next property to which we come would be the property that comes right close to where Miss, Mrs. Clarice Lindo had a store called La Gracia, Later on, Mr. Felix Gums would take it over, and in between there's a walkway that leads 
a little alleyway into the back area. And the La Gracia store, which was owned by Mrs. Clarice Lindo, was a very, very, very popular place for one of the persons whom we know as Mr. Etienne Gibbs. Etienne, you want to tell us about that? Mr. Gibbs? Etienne? Yes, I'm right here. Yes, I'm right here. I, I'm here. I said yes. the... Like, would you tell us about I that, please? It. Yes, uh-huh. sure. I didn't work there, but as a youngster, five, six, seven years old, my mom had just moved from Lincoln Steps to Synagogue Hill, where Mrs. Linda lived. And this is where my mom worked. So therefore, because Mrs. Linda owned La Gracia's store... I was always there, and I took it upon myself, gave myself a little job. I enjoyed myself walking from La Gracia's store to the post office every day with the keys to pick up the mail. And on the way back, I'll stop and talk to people along the way. And that was my fun activity. <laughs> I worked with La Gracia for, for, for the fun of it. Now, let me share with you a funny thing that happened to me, but it wasn't funny to Mrs. Lindo. They gave me a broom one day and said they wanted me to sweep up. Now, I didn't sweep any brooms, anything. That's what my mom did. My job was to study my, my homework, do my homework, and go out and play with the guys and go pick mangoes and stuff. But this one day when they had me sweeping, somebody had dropped chewing gum on the ground, and I swept over it, and I couldn't get it off. So I figured if I couldn't get it up, then let's cover it over. I took a piece of paper and put a paper on top of it. And, <laughs> and in my mind, I thought I was covering up the paper so nobody would step on it and get chewing gum stuck to their, to their shoe. Well, believe it or not, they did not accept that. My son, what you do and get that off of there? No. So I didn't get a chance to be hired because I didn't have the intelligence to work there. But other than that, it was a fun place. And, yes, there was a little alleyway that would go to the back street, and I've been through all that. That same alleyway would go to the second floor of La Gracia building. And right next door was the Sears Robot Catalog. I went over there to pick up my catalog just in time for Christmas. Not necessarily because I was going to buy anything, but because that's what every child did. They pick up a catalog, and they dreamt about what they wanted Santa Claus to bring them. I did the same thing. And what did our parents do with the catalog? Well, they took the catalog and folded the paper, the page, not horizontally, vertically. And before you knew it, you had a little tree that became a door stopper. So the catalog played a good role and became a door stopper because not many people were able to buy, could, could afford to buy the amount of things that we wanted as youngsters. And that's my take on it, Doc. Very well. Recapitulating. The La Gracia store, which of course was a two-story store, and as I pointed out earlier, there was an ordinance that said that buildings on the main street could no longer be of the same height, so there was what we call the alternating rule. The La Gracia store, the bottom part was the store, the upstairs was also the storeroom for the commodities, merchandise, and things of that sort. Interestingly of note, you mentioned, Mr. Gibbs, next door was the Sears Rupert catalog. That building actually became known as the 
building of international fame, primarily because the great French impressionistic artist lived there, was born there, and his name was Camille Pissarro. And the Pissarro building was also a building that was not quite two stories, but it had a slight modification in that it had a winding steps or stairways to the back toward Vimelskafgara. So you could enter from the back or you could enter from the front, but you would wind around some steps. That building became later on known as the Alcor building from the Alcor, what we call Alumina Company, the ship that came docked at the French Wharf out in Haven site, and the headquarters were there, and they had their store for the, what we call the catalog ordering. You went in there, you looked through the catalog, and you placed your order with a very interesting lady who was Miss Blake, along with another lady. Miss Blake was related to you, Mr. Gibbs. Oh, Nevertheless, really? yes, she was. Nevertheless, in that area, which was then the Alcor, or the Sears and Roebuck Company, was the what we call the catalog store division. So you could see refrigerators, stoves, whatever you wanted, and you would order from the catalog out of uh, that particular location. It was a blue-colored building, but remember, as I said, the building was the building of the birthplace of Camille Pissarro, the French impressionistic artist who lived there and then moved from there to Paris, held his show there and was recognized and accepted by the French Artistic Society as one of the founders and contributors to French Impressionistic art. Anyway, since we're not purchasing any still lifes, any portraitures or seascapes or landscapes, (laughs) we're going to move to the next building. Before we go, before we go, I just want to mention about the Blakes. I don't recall too clearly how the relationship was there, but I do remember my mom talking about Toto Blake. Now, he was living, and the family lived on Lincoln School Steps. There was a lot of history taking place there. Miss Ida was one. Toto Blake was one. Dr. Heath was another. The Marones, those are all people and families that I knew that my mom went to that I grew up with when I was two, three, four, five years old. And when I was about six is when I moved down to Synagogue Hill with my mom. So, Toto Blake, that's all I remember. Very well. Well, one insertion. They did not live on the steps. They had beautiful homes up the steps. <laughs> the steps were, le- were leading you to the area. One yes. was on the left, and the other one was slightly above that particular building, and the next one was across the street. Richard yes. and Rudolph Marone's mother, Marone. she was yes. a Blake. Richard and Rudolph oh, Marone's Marone mother was. Oh. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, I knew her as Marone. Yeah, go ahead. I knew her as Marone. That's why I didn't recognize the Blake. Yeah. Yes. Okay, she was a Marone. As a matter of fact, she was one of the exquisite secretaries for the Department of Public Works for years wow. under wow. Mr. Gallibear and under Mr. Donald Borum. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. Right next to that area, you had Mr. and Mrs. Heath. Mrs. Yes. Heath and Mr. Oswald Heath. Dr. Heath, that is, Alfred's father and Alfred's sister, whose name was not so well known except 
for the fact of music, Alma Heath. So Alfred and Alma are twins, and their oh, mother really? was a Heath. Yes, their mother was a Heath. So up those steps on the side across to the left, you had one set of Blakes, and then slightly above them was another, all related. And then across the bay, I mean, across the, the walkway were you, where you would find the Heath. So that's it. Yes. So I just want you to know, no, sir, they did not live on the steps, but they lived. <laughs> the steps Thank you, access to their way. All I right? have to stay in the back. I have to stay in the back of the class. I can't come up to the front now because I get okay. Yeah. Want to give them okay. their prop. Want to give them their proper placement because people who live exactly. on steps are usually referred to as homeless, and by yes. no stretch of the imagination were they homeless. As no, they were not homeless. Prop- Large no property steps. owners and go ahead. No, finish. Go ahead, please. We have large, delay. large property owners they were, and stately homes. So not on the steps, because when we say people on the steps, we refer to them <laughs> or as we think of being homeless, and they were certainly not. Nevertheless, <laughs> since you took us there, I'm going to come back down because we're still okay. just in the area. The very next property after. The Alcoa or the Camille Pissarro building would be the property of Donald Hay, the Hay property. And the Hay property was a one-level building. Now, I need to back up for two minutes just to say, to point out, as I said, remember the ordinance was no two buildings side by side could be of the same height. But nevertheless, the Hay building was a one-level, one-floor Building and that also extended to the back, to that is back to the female scarf or back street area. You entered from the front. It was called Hayes Department Store, and many people marvel and say, "How could that be a department store when it was only one story, one floor, and it didn't have the many stores as many department stores on the mainland and other places would have? For example, you think of a Macy, you think of a Gimbel's, and you think about a Maze." In New York, for example, I'm only citing those because those are names with which people will be familiar. And they are multi-stories or multi-floors. But nevertheless, in the Hayes Department Store, there was a section. A section for hardware, limitedly so. A section for hardware, limitedly so, was a section which sold paints. BLP paint and Sherwin-Williams paint. Sherwin-Williams, as I would tell you, was the paint that covered the earth. Then on the other side, they also sold fabrics. In other words, broadcloth and fabrics for persons who would be into sewing. Then on the other side, they sold, limitedly so, stationery, paper goods, in terms of Berkshire uh, paper and also Parker pens and wherever pens and scripts. Parker pens, yes. The fountain pen. Uh, yes. People who or sold that. Then on the other side, they also sold limitedly so pharmaceuticals, aspirins, bayram, and things that people would use for fevers and colds and things of that sort. Without mentioning names for advertising for the products because they have not paid me any royalties, we just <laughs> let it go at that. But nevertheless, yes, it right. was an all-round store. And then from there. I must point out, remember, I guess I, I have to keep coming back to point it was one story because we're going to have a change in rentals. Those people who owned those buildings, owned those buildings and carried on their activities 
of whatever kind it may have been. But we have to remember later on there's going to be a change in the rule in terms of how real estate people took over and then they stopped renting places when we come to the rental part in terms of square footage to queue footage. It was not length times width, and that was it. It will become length times width times height. So in other words, what they did was they began utilizing the concept of the dropped ceiling. So instead of renting, let's say, for $500 for floor space, you'll be paying 1000 because you had now a second floor, though it was just a drop ceiling. You had a second floor. And so they were able to increase their profits, their revenues, by increasing not the space per se, only the concept of volume was added, which gave them more money. Well, anyway, next to that, we had a building that would be very interesting. After the Hayes building, we come to a building that would be very much a kind of potpourri of activities because we'll be coming up to a place that would be called the coffee shop because from the back of that we'd have in the back street we're not we haven't gone to the back street I'm just showing you how these buildings had entrances and exits on both streets we'd have the dentist because the dentist would be Dr. Van Malsen and we'd have Optimist on there and they would be right coming in the back street you enter those from the back street but you actually could see out on the main street to be Dronigan's Garda as well. But Doc, nevertheless... Excuse me, Doc. Go ahead. What time frame was the dentist there? The dentist was there in the late, late 50s, 40s rather, to the early 50s and mid-50s, and then he left. He was a German, and he returned to Germany. Dr. Van Malsen, he was there, and directly across the street from him, not directly but sort of adjacently, of course, he was the oculus or another man by the name of Satangad. He was the one who did lenses, uh, optometry for glasses. And then on the next section, again on the back seat, but we haven't gone there yet, we would have Dr. Corbier, who was also a dentist in that area. And slightly up here, we had Dr. Long Close. He owned that building. But anyway, this was about the mid-50s at the at the latest, because he left from there and he went back to Germany. I'm talking about Dr. Van Malsen. All right, so then we come to what would be known as Valerie's favorite place, which would be the building where the Marsons live. So now we are on Trumpetagara, and Trumpetagara would be where Mr. Leon Marson lived, and Valerie's aunt uh, lived there. That was his wife, uh, who was a cricky as a matter of fact, C-R-E-Q-U-E. And downstairs was a famous coffee shop. And Valerie's people live upstairs. And there was another alley, and the other alley, which I referred a bit earlier, was Trumpeter Garda, which ran from the back street all the way down, crossing the main street. So from Vimalskaf Garda, across Dronigan's Garda, down to another little narrow passage to the waterfront would be Trumpetagara, and then a store would be developed there, as I mentioned earlier, two or three weeks ago, Trumpeter Boutique. So now this puts us between what would be another famous area, and that would be 
a store that would be called or became known as a cotton shop. So we would have Mr. Henry Martin and his wife operating the cotton shop. And there were two activities there. Another activity was Mr. Grill, who had a, not a haberdashery, but a store that sold dry goods and also sold things like cheeses and breads and sausages and milk and sugar and flour. In other words, a grocery store of sorts on a smaller scale. And that was a two-story building owned by the Smith family. So upstairs of that was where you had a very famous golfer and sports enthusiast by the name of Hugh Smith. And he had a son by the name of Buddy Smith and a daughter. Also, her name escapes me momentarily. But that was a two-story building. And next to that building, still on the left-hand side, we had another activity, another building, which would be the home of the camera people. And that would be none other than Robert Steele, Bob Steele, who was married to the lady who was, in fact, a barbell, Rita Barbell. And so that area later on would become a cleaning agency called Jack's Cleaners. You with me so far? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, Let's back up one, one quick ahead. question about the Smiths. Go ahead. Is the Smiths family you're talking about related with the same Smiths on Smiths Fancy, the proprietors of Smiths Fancy? No. Smiths Fancy okay. was Caucasian. Okay. This Smith okay. would be related to the person going back to what we refer to as Rodet's Garden, the corner, Johnny Smith, and up in the Long Path area. In other words, the Smiths fancy were Caucasian, Jennifer Smith and Ira Smith. They were Caucasians, but this Smith was local from Tortola, basically, uh, that we refer to. Next Thank you door, for the Sure, no problem. Next door to that would come to a very interesting store that would be known as Tropicana. It was the first Tropicana and the Tropicana, not the one further on up, but this one was one that was just really that one store, one floor. And it was interesting to note because directly across from that would be the Lockhart's department store, which is on the other side of the street. We covered that on our way down on the left-hand side coming down Main Street. But Tropicana sold fragrances. All the fine fragrances of the houses of Europe you would find in there. And also the powders and particularly things that the female would use, lipsticks and uh, powders and perfumerier, so to speak, would be in that area. They would then move out of that area and after a while open another store up by another person whom we mentioned before, by the persons who own La Gracia, they would open a store up by a place called, not the Holy Land, but up by a place called La, what's the other place, Mr. Nick, Mr. Gibbs? La Gloria. La Gloria. La Gloria, exactly. Yes. And yes, La yes. Esperanza. And All La right, Esperanza, so. yes. La Gloria. Excuse me. La Gloria, was that lo- located where? What later became uh, uh, Bolero, Bolero Liquors? 
directly across from them. Okay, good enough. Yes. Yeah, right. you're in the right area. That's Very correct. good. Thank you. Because they also had La Esperanza, which was on the other side of the street. So they had La Gloria, La Gracia, and La Esperanza. All three were connected. I know the name. Anyway, yes. uh-huh. uh, as we now move from Tropicana to the next building, the very next building will be a two-story building. Notice the pattern alternating about up and then a two-story, a one-story, and a two-story. The two-story building we come to would be on the corner now of Rodetsgada and Dronigans. Remember now, we're heading east on the left-hand side, and that building would become the famous place of what people later on would know as Plas Vendome, which would be another famous house for all kinds of things in terms of jewelry this time, of the houses of Europe. Yes, Plas Vendome. So the Kimmelmans, who were co-owners of the Virgin Islands Hotel, Henry Kimmelman would open that business there and such things as watches and chains and rings and things of finery would be located there. As a matter of fact, that name would be familiar to persons nowadays of the Henry Kimmelman Cancer Center at the Roy Lester Schneider Hospital. And so Kimmelman also became an ambassador to Luxembourg uh, by the United States government. He, He lived here so the Kimmermans own Plaston Dome. Mrs. Charles oh. Kimmerman actually died of cancer yes. and therefore mm-hmm. named the, the treatment and all that was established in her honor. Later on, we would have another business there, but before that, I want you to know that on that very corner was a grocery store called yes. Gonzales. Gonzales. Gonzales was a grocery store that sold you know, regular things like, well, you went to that immediately, I see. <laughs> Bacalao, as they say in Spanish. Bacalao. Yes. In Spanish. And in French, they call it, and in French, they call it la mouille. But anyway, mm-hmm. salt fish, pig's tail, yes. pork, yes. Uh, yes. cheese, milk, all of this stuff that would be sold in a store, uh, what we call a grocery store. So, Mr. Gonzalez, excuse me. Yes, okay, very well. All of the things that will be sold. Very well. All of the things that will be sold in a store from. Hold the line one minute, please. Etienne? That's all right. Go right ahead, Doug. Go ahead. I got it. I got it. Yes, Yes. mate. So while Doc is preoccupied with that, I can wait until he gets to the next store across the street on Raditz Gata. There's another grocery store. The thing that he's pointing out is basically Main Street was the place where all our needs for the house were, yes, were met. We had kitchen supplies. We had okay, kitchen bye-bye. food. We had uh, okay. any room of the house you could find supplies on Main Street. Now, all that has changed today. But luckily, in those days, we had everything on Main Street. So when people came to town, those living up in the hills and the mountains, or those living uh, far the West End, they came to town, they would sit and chat for a while. They didn't just shop. They visited while they were shopping. And that happened in La Gracia store. That happened in just about any store you went into. 
you see people sitting there and relaxing and chit-chatting for a while because it was a community event. Everybody went shopping on their own, but they stopped to visit and see how things are going. How is Miss Amy doing? How is so-and-so doing? And tell them my best regards. And people were just friendly like that. No, we don't have that anymore. We have, we have gift shops on the main street selling jewelry for tourists. And you hardly see any interaction between, well, uh, I'm not going to go there. And now let's go back to Doc. Doc, are you back? I'm back. Interesting okay, right enough, I, I was listening to you, and you're absolutely correct. The point was that the meeting became a social activity, and there were three major social activities that took place back in the day. They were shopping on Saturday, grocery shopping, also a funeral when it took yes. place, Yes. And the other thing was church on Sunday. Church on Sunday, they, they became the social activity. So you not just went to church and went back home. You used the opportunity to congregate for worship and then to yes. fellowship after worship and to exchange the news of the week yes. and also the hottest tidbit, which would be gossip. <laughs> and gossip. Although, they just, although they just came out of church. And yes. also to inquire as as to mm-hmm. and about the whereabouts and general yes. health of the family members and yes. who had gone away to the states and who had come in and who had passed and that kind yes. of thing. And in the meantime, you visited the family member for some yeah. light refreshments or whatever, and yeah. you call that Sunday activity a full yes. day of events. So yes. even though you may have left your house in the morning, you didn't get back to your house until well after <laughs> the noonday. So that exactly. was one activity. Exactly. So that's correct. Let so me, people let use me, the shopping. Go ahead. One more thing I want to add about Main Street. You mentioned about the funeral. Yes, whenever a funeral was coming down Main Street, out of respect for the departed, they would, the store owners would close their doors or put a veil or a wreath a purple wreath on the door out of respect for that family. And I don't know what the history is of that, but maybe Doc can tell us about that. What was the history of that, Doc? Well, I was going to mention that because I was going to say the one thing of the three activities I mentioned, such as congregating and going to church and funeral as social activities, it was always felt. Now, I'm not sure if it is an ancestral belief practice from Africa or from Europe or what, but whenever the funeral, at that time we called it hearse or cortege, yes. passed the door, yes. you closed the door until the body had gone past your yes. business. In addition, the wreath that was hung on the door was in memoriam, in solemnity, and out of respect yes. for the living person. Yes. For two reasons. One, superstition has it that when you close the door, you're saying to the dead, all right, bye-bye, love you, wish you would stay with us. But since you're yes. not with us, just continue your trek to the west, to the western yes. cemetery. And yes, with, the admonition, with the admonition, do not come back. Yes, yes, yes. In other words, you didn't want any ghosts in your place. Exactly, exactly. So that now, was why that one was. Other quick, yes? One other quick question that uh, I want to ask you about. I remember they used to have bank holidays, not bank holidays, but I don't remember the title of it, but they used to close the stores around 1, 2 o'clock and open them on Wednesday night until 8 o'clock. Is that correct? Well, you're talking about two different things. 
Oh, okay. one. I'm getting, I'm getting confused. Every. Go ahead. No, no, I got it confused. Go ahead. Clarify, please. Okay. Yes, you're talking about two different things. One, on Thursday, every Thursday, all Thursday. businesses close, which is called a bank holiday. Oh, it was not holiday. just for the bank. The businesses also closed so that people closed the doors, closed the shops. They were inside doing, I guess, housekeeping duties. But you, the consumer or the buyer or the shopper, you were not able to go in because they were not transacting external business. They were doing their own housekeeping, I guess, balancing their books, looking at the deposits and looking at the inventory to get it ready for what? The weekend because it was Thursday, so they had one day which was Friday, to prepare for Saturday. Saturday was the main event of shopping during that time. So since things were not computerized, there was no computer invention at the time, everything was manual, you had to know how many boxes of whatever you had and how many whatever in the boxes were there, so your inventory was kept up to date. So bank holiday was done, so you could prepare your deposit slips for going in the very next day, which was Friday, and the banks themselves closed at 12. So everybody had a break. It was interesting because it's almost like a Spanish custom. After lunch, you take a nap, but this was a nap that that extended into the rest of the day. That was part one. Then there was a practice that businesses would close and reopen in the evening so they can be evening shopping, and that went on into Friday and also Saturday. So they would close around noontime to give the employees an opportunity to go get their lunch, and then they'll come back at 1 o'clock or one thirty, and then they'll go full storm, full speed ahead into the rest of the day to transact their businesses. So there were two different activities, but achieving what they call a respite for the owners so they could catch up with things. Because it was difficult, I presuppose, that to keep in touch and keep up with customers in and out, and you're not sure what your inventory or stock would be or what it was. So it gave you an opportunity, and also it gave you an opportunity to catch your breath and maybe take a nap or take some sort of a libation to tide you over and carry you through the rest of the time. So that's what those two were. Thank you for clarifying. Uh-huh. Very well. No problem. Now, before we leave, the Gonzalez store area, which would, which became later Plaza Mendoza, as we pointed out, the, directly across the street, which would still be Rodez Gara, coming from Crystal Gara, all the way down heading south, we had a grocery store that was known as David Shinnery's Grocery Store, or Shinnery Store. Later Shinnery on, store. that would be, be extended to become Shinnery's Foodomart. And that will be down the street on Strand Garda, but we're on the main street at Tortiva, no, but Rodez, because Rodez that big yes. building that now would be moving towards the Paiwanski's residence, one of the residences, because there were several residences of the Paiwanski's. They primarily live up on what we call Crystal Garda by the synagogue, and what people will refer to as going up Synagogue Hill, but it's really Crystal Gada as a Gada, not too far from where you resided, Etienne. But nevertheless, the point was that building is going to be very important because it was the residence of 
the former governor, one of them for a while, his parents lived there, Isaac and Rebecca Piwanski, and downstairs we had a famous drug store that was known as St. Thomas Apothecary Hall. But it was more than just the apothecary. It did a number of things. It was also a bakery. It was also a place where you went to shop for varied and sundry items. Very large, a huge building. It is the second most impressive building on the main street, or at least it was at the time. Second only to the building that was the public library. And we mentioned that last week as we were coming up the street. We mentioned where the public library was, the Enid Embar Library, that building that was once the library, also housed the tourism department, also housed the lottery uh, office, and also housed the legislature or Senate building for a while. So now we come to the Piwanski building, which is that blue and silver building, at least it was, uh, right there. And upstairs we had the Rebecca and Isaac Piwanski's residence, and then there was a drug, not a drugstore, an eatery downstairs known as Seven Queens Restaurant, a very fine dining, eating, and luncheon area. And then when we move from there, we come to Etienne's favorite place, which was also owned by the same family, Piwanski, <laughs> but this would be the Center yes. Theater. Go ahead, Etienne, go ahead. Theater, yes. That was my babysitting place. My mom would send me there every Saturday, or she couldn't afford to send me. I would beg her, Mom, let's find 50 cents so I can go to the movies. Well, what would happen is my friends and I would go to the movies, part one, and then on the way home from the movies, where we saw three types of pictures, the main feature, a special series or cliffhanger, and then a, a one hour or half an hour some other a movie. But Actually, there were three segments. There were, th- okay. there were three segments. A science fiction part, a okay. western part, and then yes, a main the western. film. And yeah. we... Science boys, fiction, western, and the main film. Go ahead. Right. I love the western. So we all would always, on the way home, not argue, but uh, compete to see who would be the one to reenact the show on the way home. And each of us would reenact the hero of that day, whether it be Roy Rogers, Gene Autry, uh, Durango Kid. Uh, I don't remember the words. <laughs> we had Rex Allen or whoever it was, Smiley Burnett. And we would stop in the bakery. Cassidy. Well, no, Hopalong, well, I don't remember Hopalong. Yes. Lone he came Ranger. out around Christmas time. Lone Ranger. Lone yeah, those Ranger. are some of those. Yes. So on the way Tonto. home, we would reenact it. And there was one of us, I couldn't do it at all, but one of the guys was so good at doing the sound effects when the Western bullets were shot out of the guns and we hit a rock. We had this bing sound. <laughs> My friend did it so well that we would actually run and hide because we thought the monkey was shooting a gun at us. Now, these are kids who didn't know what a gun sounded like except what it's like in the movies. But with the sound effects of my friend, boom, it made an impression on all of us. In fact, it made so much of an impression that I wrote a book about it, about how we as youngsters use the theater for our fun and, and recreation. We use traveling around the neighborhood for mangoes and whatever fruits are in season as our recreation. 
I got home from school, did my homework, and the first thing I did was, Mom, you need me? Nope, I'm out the door. And come home when the lights get dark or the night gets dark, the day gets dark, <laughs> and come home. And, and sometimes I was late, and my mom didn't stand for that. So then we had to start using when the streetlight go on, that's the time I'm supposed to be home. And, yes, getting back to the Senate Theater, it kept us informed. It kept us occupied. It kept us entertained. And on top of all that, every Christmas time, there was special activities going on there. So that was my favorite place. And the book I wrote about that, it's called It's My Turn to Be the Hero. And we talked about the escapades of three tropical baby boomers who were enjoying life based on the Senate Theater. Thank you, Doc. We never saw well, you there because uh, you were the library. <laughs> well, that's true. One question. Did you return yes. home when it got dark or just at twilight when it was getting dark, present progressive, as opposed to dark? Because dark, in my mind, would suggest dark, dark, night, 10 o'clock, and I know you would be in real trouble then. But yes, I did get in real twilight. trouble. I did get in real trouble at, at various times. It depends on what was going on. Sometimes... Okay. <clears throat> Instead of staying on a hill, I went down to St. Peter and Paul's school, and they were either playing basketball. I didn't get a chance to go because the big guys were always taking care of that, but we ended up playing stickball, a homemade of softball. And once we got into that game, and the game was going really well, and we would prolong it and prolong it and prolong it until we couldn't see any more, then it was time to go home. And by that time, it was eight, going at 8.30 or whatnot, and my mom was getting furious. Where is my son? <laughs> when I walk in the door, she said, I was going to send the cops after you. And I was like, no, no, you don't want the cops to come looking for me because I was like a criminal. <laughs> yeah, so that's what was that. Yes, there were times I came home very late, and I had, my mom put a stop to that, and I had to figure out how to get home on time. I didn't have a watch on me, so I had to figure out how to do that. And as I said, we would use the street lights. When the street light comes on, that's time to head home. Uh-huh. Okay, go ahead. That's it. That's it. I'm going to go back to you because we're running short in time now. We're Uh-oh. down to about, uh, we, we got about 15 minutes. Hello, there about. Okay. Now, next to that building, which was, Etienne's pointed out, his playground, his area, the center theater, which was owned by the same family, the Piwanski family. But the center theater was managed and run by a man by the name of Erwin Gross who was also a Hebraic person, but he was sort of like their manager for that activity. They they had several managers because they were into several types of businesses, liquor sales, jewelry, also bakery, also the center theater, and also a soda factory. So they had several types of activities. Mm, Wealthy family, and uh, the name still is there today, but only... In the what we call a secondary position, because the Paiwanski family, the ladies remarried, and so of course you know the name will be changed. So Castanelli is the name yes. that comes forward, but they still hold on to Paiwanski. So, for example, it's Castanelli, it's Paiwanski Castanelli, uh, and from there we get a number of other spin-offs into politics, chamber of commerce. And that kind of thing. And so the A.H. Risa family, who were the chemists originally, were the drugstore and across the street, which we had 
A.H. Reese's Gift Shop, A.H. Reese's Liquor Store, A.H. Reese's, uh, believe it or not, stationery store uh, that was run by another Paiwanski family member uh, where you went to buy your pens and pencils and went down the back to what we call the, the toy area. And Miss Anna Paiwanski was in charge of that, and she did not miss a trick. She watched <laughs> and walked with sharp, hawk-like eyes. Hawk-like yes. eyes. Oh, yes. yes. And oh, yes. she spoke with a, with a heavy mid, what we call European, Eastern European accent. What do you want there? Why are you going? What do you want? That was what she, the way she spoke. Yes, yes. Yes. Now, yes. next door to the center theater, we've recrossed the street to where we were. We come to a building that was a building that was kind of strange in design, almost diagonally constructed, but not really. It was regular. It was a regular building, but the man who owned it was the name of George Conrad, and the George Conrad building had a metal front that came down. To oh yes, large. You remember? Yes, yes, I remember. Large. Yes. That's right. Glass case that demonstrated and exhibited George Jensen silver. Spode and Chippendale, and also China. And the China that was exhibited there was a China that was actually made of fine bone English China. And you did go in that store without being accompanied by an adult if you were a child, because he concluded a child had no business in there. If you were in there as a child, you were in there for whatever. And he did not want anything broken or. Yes. No pill free, so you didn't go there as a child, but you went in there with a parent or an adult if you were there supervised, of course. But whenever it was time for the selling of theater tickets, he would lower that metal sheet, almost like metal gating, to protect his glass door and stuff from any breakage or or anything like that. Then next that to that building, oh, go ahead. That metal you're talking about, it was like a metal awning. It, it, it That's came correct. out exactly. over the top of it. Thank you. It provided Thank shade you. in. Yes. It provided Thank shade you. in. Thank you. Absolutely correct. It was a metal awning. Uh-huh. Yes. And then when he needed it, he would drop it, or at the end of the day, when the store's closed, he would drop it uh-huh. down, and that would become the protection for the store. That's correct. I remember that. Absolutely correct. Yes. Oh, you remember that? Oh, good. Yes. Great. Because they locked it, they locked it down when I was there. <laughs> oh, they okay. Get around. <laughs> yeah, and my friends and I were there. They didn't want us around. They locked it down. You're right. About the mm-hmm. Senate Theater. As yep, a matter correct. of fact, on the website, we have a picture. One picture I was able to find of the Senate Theater is a Nikon picture. There may be a little smidgen of the story you're talking about with the drop down on it. So yeah. it's there in black and white. It was referred to as, the name of the store was Scandinavian Silver Center. Yes, Scandinavian. Silver, Scandinavian Silver Center. Center, okay, Uh I remember. Yeah, and next to that, we come to another store that really sold things like discs, meaning records, and also tapes. And also things like needles and also things like what we call polishing cloth. 
This was R.C. Spensley Record Shop. And you could go in there and get your 33 and a third records. Those were the big ones. And then later on, your 45, as they became popular. There were no tapes of that sort then. But later on, they began to sell what would be called your CDs, compact discs, or your tapes that were reel-to-reel. And they were, in fact, the Spensley family were the persons who were, became responsible for, believe it or not, the Nickelodeon, the jukeboxes, the Wurlitzers, those boxes that were established at businesses in terms of you put your nickel in, and as the song that was sung by Teresa Brewer said, put another nickel in, in your Nickelodeon. All I want is music, music, music. And that's how that went. Hello? Yes, Hello? that's how that went. Yeah, yeah okay. It was like that music, yeah, yeah. music, music. Yeah, yeah, and that was the Scandinavian, that was the Spenceley's uh, record company. Now, I have to go quickly because I heard some beeping, so I don't know if this uh, cordless okay. is going to run us. I hope not. No, but nevertheless, next to that was the cable and cable and wireless. It was called All America Cable and Wireless Office. And that was a one-story building where you can send your cable and your night letters and stuff like that. And then next to that would be a building that was a two-story building that became the new home or one of the additional homes of Tropicana. And that was a large one. And that would be right up there next to another building that would be owned by the Paiwanskis, which would later on owned by the Paiwanskis, which, of course, became known as Chase Manhattan Bank, but that would be Tropicana. And directly across the street from that was a place that you mentioned also, Etienne, which would be La, La Esperanza and yes. the other store. Yes, La Gloria. La Gloria. That was yes. that building yes. right there. Okay. Back up a little bit. Then, back up. Sure. Go ahead. Go quickly. Tropicana, Go ahead. Tropicana was a pink building, was it not? That is correct. Oh, you remember well. Oh, your memory is improving. Oh, these chats are doing wonders for you. I have to get up to the front of the class before the, before <laughs> well, the show's true. over. <laughs> that is true. Is, it was a pink why, building. Why, uh-huh. why was it pink? Why was it pink? That's the only pink building well, in the whole... Okay, because the pink flamingo, the pink panther. Ah. Okay, connect those and you'll see why. Okay, you know who owned it? No, I can't recall. Okay. Nevertheless, uh, the interesting thing was they were also Jews. and Kavanaugh's? No, not Kavanaugh's. Kavanaugh's on the other okay. side of the street. This, yeah. was not, this was none other than they were people, people, I don't know whether or not they related well to them, but uh, Machova, Isaac and Lola Machova. Middle Easterners also from one of those states up there, the Balkan states. But they came here and they were uh, persons who did that. The Tropicana buildings and stores were owned by Isaac and Lola Machova. And that was the name. Then next to that, you'd have the building that would become known as Chase Manhattan Bank and the extension thereof. And that puts us to the end of the Main Street left-hand Yay. side as far as those businesses are concerned, where we now yeah. be at Commandant Gara and directly across be 
what we have now today as Cardow. Yes. But the yes, the Cardow building was actually owned by the Thomases, and that would be the beginning of Norigata heading east, or the end of Norigata heading west. Wow. And Doc, we got it accomplished. Street. Yes. Oh yes, of course. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We went down, going west on Main Street or Grand against Garda. Right. Down to the, run down to the. Francis Market Square. Child Square or Market Square, turn around and came up on the other side, the northern side of the street. And we cover all of that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Doc. You're so, welcome. Next week, we're not going to talk about mainstream. We're going to talk about some other things. I'll leave it as a surprise. But Yes, because we'd like to break break the monotony yes, all this. Yes, and, you exactly. know, that can become quite boring after a while. Valerie will be back. Different. Right. And she'll, bring well. with her, she'll bring with her some of the materials she is going to be using on Tuesday. Again, I okay. just want to let our audience know that if you're on St. John or if you want to go over to St. John, that's something you can do. St. John Historical Society is having its fundraiser. It's called All, All Are We St. John Families. And that is taking place on Tuesday the 14th from 5.30 until 8.00 p.m. at the Western St. John Resort and Pillars Grand Ballroom. $25 donation, $10 for student. Doc, thank you ever so much. We're just about out of time. Last minute comments. comments, They're not going to be last minute comments. They're comments for this segment. Okay. Uh, Last minute minute has a tone of finality to it. No no uh, finality. No finality, exactly. (laughs) So it will be for this segment. (laughs) <laughs> Have a blessed and prosperous strong and all oh, yeah. and look forward to seeing you next strong yes. end. I will hear you next strong end. Exactly. Well. We'll be back. We look forward to having you back. And again, let me give the call number. Calling number is three four seven two three seven four three seven four. Make a note of that. Be prepared to call in next week. Make it interactive as can be. So until Repeat next it again time for them, please. Sure, sure. Repeat the number for them, please, again. The number is 347-237-4374. Again, that's 347-237-4374. And next week, I promise you, I'll give you a review of the statistics. We are being heard around the world. Yesterday, I got a guy from Germany call me to be on the show. Another one of the shows, but he listens to this one, too. He's not from the Virgin Islands, but he was interested. So it is working. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Doc. We'll see you next week. Long for now. Long, everyone. Take care.
and my family. Now that it's all okay, 